0: You are listening to the Heritage Ag Solutions Podcast here in Monmouth, Illinois. I'm Justin Alleman. On our show, we discuss agronomy, grain marketing, and other topics to help you improve your profitability. Today is May 9th, 2023. Now, the month of April brought us a dry, early planting window, but also cool temperatures. Today, we're talking with our Golden Harvest agronomist, Brad Cook, about what he's seeing as far as crop conditions agronomic issues that need to be front of mind right now, and how the week ahead is critical for replant decisions for corn. Here is our conversation. All right, we are kicking off the 2023 growing season, and we're back with another Heritage Ag Solutions podcast with our Golden Harvest agronomist, Brad Cook. Uh, Now, Brad, you've been out in the countryside all over the place over the last month or so. What are your general observations, and what are you seeing in our
1: region? So probably a really good general statement, Justin, is no two years are ever the same that I've seen in my career, and... 2023 versus 2022 is, you know, very different. Um, we have historically had a. Let me put it this way, for the last for the last near history, the last four to five years, we have not had a a good window of planting opportunity in April, um, in some sometime, you know, certainly the last four to five years. Last year, you know, it was basically the middle of May before most of the corn went in the ground. That said, it went into very good conditions, very warm, and we had excellent stands. Um, Just planted, you know, planting was delayed. This year, it's quite the opposite. We've had, from a moisture perspective, a fairly dry April, um, but a very, a fairly cool April from that standpoint as well. So we had the opportunity to, to plant both corn and soybeans, and that happened. Um, but what we've seen this year is definitely some of the things that can happen in a cool environment. And then you top that off with a early May, late April, early May frost event, and things can compound. And um, there's definitely some situations where replant was and is warranted Um, it's no disaster by any means at all but um, there's a fairly significant amount of emergence issues on both crops if it wasn't for this blast rain event this past weekend i think we would have had a lot of soybean replant but um, i think we mitigated that justin Mm -hmm.
0: so as we look back over the last month and, and like you said april was dry but also very cool um, in, re- in recent years, there's been a trend of pushing uh, soybeans, especially earlier into the planting season, getting them in the ground. Would you say that's still our recommendation moving forward and in years ahead um, when you do have these planting windows, go ahead and get stuff in the ground? Or from what we've seen this year, does it give us a reason to maybe pause and see what the forecast looks like and hold off on that?
1: It's a great question with, with, with several what ifs, right? such as agronomy but the general answer is i would not deviate from that early planting um you know progression that we've that we're the you know that the industry is going going towards the growers are starting to do the data shows the risk is worth the reward or maybe it's vice versa the reward is worth the risk right so specifically with with soybeans, what we're trying to do by going really early is propagate, or that means, you know, to make well, um, more more nodes um, before the plant starts to flower. And so, you know, you can really, I mean, you're talking double digit yield increases just by early planting on soybeans in general. The risk, right, is and there's several, but the biggest one is that they emerge before a the final frost. And so this year, <clears throat> when we had soybeans going in the ground the first and second week of April, there were scenarios where they were starting to emerge at that frost event, which ranged from anywhere from about 30 degrees to tw- down to 26 um, in the northern part of the area I cover so we had a scenario where there was definitely going to be situations that where plants were going to die if they if they were emerged soybeans are different than corn right growing points above the ground versus where corn is not so uh there was lots of frosted corn that 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 was up it's basically a non-event because that growing points below the the soil surface at that point, especially when it's younger. I'm talking V1, V2, V3. It's really not an issue, the plant kind of, those first one or two leaves kind of melt away and then the new world and leaf comes on and then there's not a lot of plant material yet, so you don't get that wrapping that can happen. You get a frost at V4, V5, the corn's probably not gonna still die but the new growth get, gets wrapped up in all the old growth, and I've, con- <clears throat> I've seen some, some bad issues um, from that standpoint. So overall, the corn wasn't big enough to have any issue from the frost. Soybeans, on the other, on, on the other hand, were in some situations, and then you compound that with things like soil crusting, um, as well as herbicide interactions, And now you're looking at a replant scenario.
0: Mm Hmm. Okay, well, I want to circle back to the crusting and herbicide issues that you mentioned. But before we get there, um, so let's talk about how the cold temperatures that we experienced in April, how does that affect the seed that has been in the ground, let's say, from the first or second week of April? Um, You know, does it take a certain amount of GDUs to germinate, emerge? Um, You know, what does that look like? What's going on under the soil?
1: Okay, I'll, I'll answer that in a couple different parts. Um, let's start with that growing degree days or units that you referred to. Um, that is tracked by daily highs and lows, and really, it's it, if you really want to look at the reality of it, it's it's what is the temperature of that soil, um, and a lot of times the soil can buffer the you know, the temperature, you know, you may get down into the 40s, but the soil will buffer and you'll stay in the 50s from a soil temperature perspective. So for corn, it takes roughly 110 to 120 growing degree units for emergence and soybeans, it's about 150. So it's a little bit more. Um, And so just in general, we saw emergence struggle because we had several days in the last two weeks of April where there was literally no growing degree units accumulated because of the low daily high and the low daily low. So in general, you got that working against you um, from that perspective. The other thing that can happen with both crops, but I see more issues in corn, is what's called inhibitional chilling, cold injury. It's where that seed, as it soaks in moisture, takes roughly a third of its seed weight in water to germinate. And so so it's it's absorbing water. And if that's a really cold first drink, you can actually mess up some of the cell processes. And I haven't seen that in probably almost a decade, in several, several years. Um, mainly because the last five, half a decade, it's been pretty much May before most of the corn was planted. There's anomalies there, but that's a concern, and I actually saw that this year. So over the last couple of weeks, we've seen we saw seeds that um, were hurt by that initial shock, um, didn't even germinate. Not widespread, I did see it. Um, the second thing that can happen is you may germinate just fine, so that initial drink of water is, is good, <clears throat> but then we get what I call the sea salt temperatures. Things that um, weather, you know, highs and lows that make my nose go crazy, right, you know, as a human being. It's the same thing for a plant, it, you know, it doesn't know which way. It, it's sensing soil temperature. and as that soil temperature fluctuates, it actually can start growing back down to chase a more consistent, warmer soil temperature. Um, And so we saw that and that it's, you know, that's the typical corkscrewing that you might see. Um, So that was observed. With the soybeans, it just was a matter of growing degree units. Um, We just didn't have accumulated enough to push out these beans that were planted even the, you know, the first 10 days of, of April. Um, and so it just didn't have enough. They just, so you couple that with that soil crusting issue and the fact that it just is not accumulating enough growing units energy to push, sprinkle in a little bit of PPO herbicide, and all of a sudden you got necks breaking and you know, a lot of head scratching on what to do going forward, because it's not like the whole field is typically affected is the problem. So you see, you know, you may, I I walked a field last week that had anywhere from 70,000 viable, viable plants to a, to a perfect stand at 140. What do you do? Right. So there's are some judgment calls and you got to bring economics into it as well. But What's nice with today's technology, with GPS and things like that, a guy can go in and shift his lines and, and plant, you know, maybe a half rate, a third rate to a half rate in to make it feel real good versus having to drive over the field and tear it up and things like we used to have to do.
0: Sure. Now, a varying stand for soybeans is one thing, but when we talk about corn, if you have a stand that it's all uniform— And then you might have another stand in another field that, yes, technically it's the same population, but because of these weather conditions we've had, maybe you've got a lot of variability in the growth stage and the the plant development. What do those decisions
1: look like? Harder. (laughs) More difficult. So it's exactly right. So you can have soil type variations within a field just do what you described, you know, alone. Um, They can be different soil temperatures based upon that soil type, the texture, and have erratic emergence just based on that. Um, But you get into these other situations with the crusting and maybe pushing it when it was a little bit too wet. And so you got some sidewall compaction. And yes, all of a sudden you, you may have end up with what you intended to plant but how how uniform is it and with corn it's extremely important to have plant to plant uniformity in that field extremely important and both our golden harvest agronomy research team has data to support that as well as precision planting in universities as well you get beyond a growth stage difference in corn and you start to impact your your yield quite significantly. Uh, it gets and it can get to a point where literally the what I call the runt plants uh, don't produce an ear um, because their neighbors out out compete it. So I really look at that uniformity both in emergence as well as in that the growth stage. And and there were situations over the last two weeks that we made calls to replant. Not on stand count, but on uniformity of that stand. And Justin, basically, until May tenth to today, or actually that's tomorrow. You're st- the data, you know, the data supports that you're at 100% yield potential. Um, so if things, and, and we saw that last year, right? All the corn didn't get planted until May tenth through the fifteenth, and we had excellent yields. So my point is, is anything much less that you're never going to have perfect it's, it's not it's not possible in a in a, a cornfield i don't think right but if you're not near perfect before that date you know i think you need to really think hard on on a replant scenario um going forward as we pass that may 10th that 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 date it becomes more you got to start looking at a lot more charts and <clears throat> even just trusting your gut on what to do, right? And in no situation, you've heard me say this before over the last three years, in no situation do you just spot in, scab in corn, other than one scenario. And what was that? We had that two two years ago, you know, a buffalo waller where you might have 20 acres of an 80 with nothing. Okay, go out there, go out there and... and spot that in but in any other scenario you don't want to complement a stand with another half a stand it doesn't work with corn
0: because like you said if it doesn't it's not uniform and you're more than a growth stage behind essentially that's a weed taking up nutrients but it's not going to produce an ear that's going to amount to
1: anything yeah so you're not really helping yourself so in almost you know 95% plus situations with corn if you're going to replant i feel it's a complete redo and so you got to think about that how are you going to kill the existing corn right so with all these traits and such that's not as, e- as easy today because they're tolerant to some of your major um, burn, <clears throat> burn down chemicals so you know that may take iron tillage to get that out so just one more thing you got to add to the equation um, when you're thinking about things. With soybeans, kind of like I brought up before, it's not near the emotion. <laughs> I don't think it's near the emotional or the stress because you can literally just go in and spot those in. And again with the technology, whether you're planting six inches over or at a perfect dot, you know angle, it's a lot easier. Make that call
0: now switching gears a little bit i want to I want to touch on nutrient deficiencies. Are you seeing any I mean as dry as it's been any nitrogen loss or I guess what would be other nutrients we need be keeping an eye out for given the weather we've had
1: so that that is of a concern of mine um, especially before this past weather event, so we can hit a couple examples so. Right, so when you couple cool and dry, a couple things may may stand out. And so phosphorus deficiency was one that we were starting to see. Um, I was getting pictures daily um, <clears throat> on corn plants that were exhibiting um, some phosphorus deficiency. So that doesn't surprise me. As cool as we were in April, um, it takes pretty much every nutrient to get into the plant it takes a microbial process to to get it into a usable form and, and into the plant so the cooler we are the less microbial activity we will have in the soil so didn't surprise me to see that um, and then as you get dry it's it's kind of the same thing you you don't have that mass flow of nutrients because the soils dried out where a lot of the nutrients are which is that you know, that top profile. So um, between the cool and dry, I was already seeing phosphorus and I expect to see things like sulfur show up here pretty quick, at least to the situations where guys didn't actually fertilize for that nutrient. You ask about nitrogen. That's one. So a cool and dry scenario for nitrogen is probably the best you can get. So you've got delayed microbial processes, not converting it to nitrate, meaning the applied fertilizer. You don't have, without the moisture events, the constant raining, you don't get that leaching effect either. So I think we're really good shape on applied nitrogen, whether that was fall or spring. that's that's good news justin i usually come on here with all the with all the bad news but that should be a really good um thing to keep in the back of your mind Um, but just watch out for some of these secondary and micronutrients um, because there's 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 uh, technology and products to to still supply the plant with those whether that's in the soil um you know an application of something in the soil or you know, to the foliage. And like I've said in the past, if you're talking macro and secondary nutrients, right, those are used in pounds per acre, right? So those need to be in the soil to go up through the roots. Things that are used in much lesser amounts like your micros, um, you know, you can get by with some foliar feed and things like that. But if you've already got a planned side dress application planned, maybe that's nitrogen. Something to think about is, are you seeing any visual symptoms? Or, you know, it'd be a good time to add in some of those things that maybe we're deficient in, like a micro or secondary nutrient. So,
0: Yeah, no, you've given us a lot to, to think over and take a look at. Uh, we are um, all set for time and, and the questions I had for you. So maybe we'll touch base again next week and kind of see where we're at. Um, maybe dig a little deeper into some of these deficiencies and other issues you are seeing out in the countryside. Um, any closing thoughts for, for today?
1: I think that'd be a great idea. Um, so for West Central Illinois, there was a good chunk that went in early. And we've had those discussions about, you know, the outcome of of that. But there's a lot of crop that went in the last, broadly, the last two weeks, um, but then just a jag over the last seven to ten days. Um, and so my initial gut is that that last run is going to come out really well. Um, we've warmed up. We got a moisture event that, other than in some isolated areas where we got too much, um, I think was was really good. Um, You know, to fill that top profile back up and maybe get some seed germinated that wouldn't have. You know, there's guys chasing moisture down to darn near three inches, right? So, that is one of my concerns. So, we'll see how that turns out because a lot of this crop went in really deep here at the end and certain areas got quite a bit of rain. So, we'll see what the fate of of that is. So, right, Justin, there's, there's, there's always something. To observe and just as a grower second guess yourself on but we'll uh, will we'll, we'll keep uh, we'll keep looking and and, and uh, see what we got I you know overall I think we've we've got a, we, we've set ourselves up here for for a pretty good crop We just it needs to keep raining timely um, is my biggest you know is really my biggest concern overall.
0: That will do it for this week's episode. As Brad mentioned, there's always something to observe during the growing season, so we definitely intend on having Brad on again soon to keep us appraised of crop developments. In the meantime, you can always visit goldenharvestseeds.com and check out our agronomy articles and research. If you have questions on what you're seeing out in the field, shoot us an email at heritageagseeds at gmail.com and we'll pass your question along to our agronomist. We are Heritage Ag Solutions, helping you leave a legacy that lasts. We'll catch you next time.